Streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everybody. I'm Andy Richter. Uh, You're listening to The Three Questions, and I've got Brett Gelman on today. How about that? Isn't that exciting? Um, I, uh, you, you are soaking up all the work. You are in everything these days. Oh, my God. I'm glad to hear you say that, you know. (laughs) Why, it doesn't feel, yeah, it never feels like that, does it? No, 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 not at all. I mean, I feel very grateful, and I intellectually know that, but I think, you know, the trauma of not having worked for so long and the fear of never yes. working again. Oh yes. Is always creeping in. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, for me, the, the big turning point was that it was like some Tom Clancy movie on cable at where you play like a terrorist. And yeah. I was so happy to see you in like, cause it's like, there's no comedy in that movie whatsoever. You know, no. And because no. usually, you know, like you're in things where it's kind of fun, you know, like you you've been in some great stuff where just for drama. But mostly people get you because you're I would you say you're essentially a comedian? I mean, because I kind of feel I would say that. Yeah, I mean, that's my roots. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. trained in all, you know, in all things theater and acting. Um, and I definitely, I strive to do more and more drama, but uh-huh. I mean, I can't, I can't, you're either funny or you're not. Yes, and so, yes. and so if, if you're funny, it, it's really ridiculous not to utilize yes. that and to abandon that completely. But like, I, I do, I do love to do drama and I love that I'm getting the chance to do more of that. And I yeah. want to do more of that, but I never want to abandon comedy. And it, up to this point, even things that I've done for the most part that have drama in them, like lemon or flea bag, there's yeah. still a lot of, there's still comedies. Oh you know? yeah. I mean, cause yeah. like flea bag, I feel that's a comedy. Like that whole yeah. thing is, it, it, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's meant to be, I mean, there's absurdist comedy that isn't full of jokes, you know, that is just about the human condition, but it's supposed to be entertaining in the way that, you know, a joke is. It's, you know, like I always felt like Breaking Bad is a comedy, I, in yeah. my opinion. I Just because it's an absurd situation, Brian Cranston is a comic actor. Like there's, I don't, I can't see him in things without seeing him be, 
comic. I mean, that's not entirely true I, because like a there was that I can't remember. I can never remember the names of anything, but like there was a, a oh, it was a mini, an amazing mini series where he played the father of a kid that gets caught. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember that? He's like it's the New judge. Orleans. Yes, the judge. Yeah. And and that wasn't funny. You know, like there was nothing yeah. funny about that. <laughs> Check it out and you'll see what I mean about it not being funny. But like there was so much Walter White to me that was just hilarious. Well, yeah, no, totally. I mean, Breaking Bad, like The Sopranos, is if you give that log line, it's a total comedic concept. Right, right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Ner- nerdy school teacher gets cancer and decides to start selling meth and becomes yes. a, the biggest meth dealer. Yes, in yes. the country. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, mob boss has a panic attack and starts seeing a psychiatrist while uh. <laughs> trying to keep his power in the Right, mafia. right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And both of those, yeah, both of those shows, I mean, are very funny. And that's an amazing thing when you get to, when you're sort of existing in that gray. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, Is there, that's phenomenal. Do you feel like a palpable difference it generally speaking between being on a drama set and being on a comedy set. I think that the difference is that in comedy, comedy and drama are are harder in different, are hard in different ways. Comedy, you have to do everything that you're doing in drama, but still have a technical state of mind at some point in your brain to be delivering timing jokes you know, the way you deliver something. In drama, you can abandon all of that for the most part, you know, depending on, I mean, I think there's maybe some people that you work with that have a distinct style in drama that you would need to technically adhere to. But with that, the difficult thing about that is just plunging into, right? you you know, however you do it to get there, pain. Uh, Right, right, right. But you're still plunging into pain and comedy you're still yeah. doing that yeah i mean but i think for comedic, you know people who are comedically inclined there is also like as you're plunging you're also simultaneously releasing yeah and that's really hard to do i mean yeah. to have like an ironic state of mind that it's just a particular state of mind that i guess like i'm not going to say is easy but it's not like it's what you and I are built to do. Yeah. It's what you and I are built to do. I'm. Am I just saying obvious things here? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Because it is because the, that question of of releasing it and it is, you know, it, if okay, yeah, it's pain or it's embarrassment or it's frustration and and on a comedy set you are releasing it because because to me it was always like I always felt the difference was was. Because I haven't done a lot of drama stuff, but generally speaking, they're like not as fun. Like they're like there's a seriousness, you know, that that especially like with the text, it's like a little bit more because, you know, I I like to fuck around. And so it's like when you have to go through things six times for camera blocking to have fun with it, just to kind of keep the ball, you know, like you know, like a balloon that you're batting around in the air. So, you know, you change it up, you make little jokes, keep people laughing on the set. And I felt sometimes yeah. at drama, like, no, 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 don't do that. Cause everybody's trying to 
pull in, you know, and I don't know, it might just be my asshole way. Of I think, working. well, I think like a drama thing, there's not an overall agreement of how to do a drama, yeah. you know, dramatic actors all have a different process. You have some dramatic actors who will joke around between takes, right? Right. You know, if, even if they're doing an intensely dark scene yeah, or, or they'll mostly joke around. And if something is really intense, they're like, Hey, Sorry, I got focus a little yeah. bit to like just get here. And then you got your people who are like in a corner all day when they're not acting, <laughs> which is uh uh their process. And yeah, like yeah. I, hey, there's great people who do that and who yeah. are who are nice too, who do oh, that. Oh yeah, so like yeah, yeah. Hating on I know that. what you it's mean. Just, yeah. uh, but I, I mean like I, the, that I just feel like, oh that's not that can't be fun. I mean I'm but, doing like a I'm doing something right now. Uh, I'm on a project. I'm doing this show with Alma Harrell, who did Honey Boy, and with like Natalie Portman. Oh yeah, and that's a that's a very free set. I mean, that's very free. But instead of like being free with jokes, it's being free with like all these feelings and making it a mess. You know, making it messy in that uh, Cassavetes type way. Yeah. You know, I think you know. Um, and I'm, everybody likes to talk about Cassavetes when we talk about improvisational improv. But I think that Alma is somebody who really, uh, her work deserves that, you know, yeah. deserves to be put in that category. And because she's, you know, she's a genius and, and yeah, working with the actors on that, they're like incredible, uh, but they're not, nobody's really in a corner. They're really like, you know, it's like dealing with the the character and the circumstances of that and doing what you need to get into that. And sometimes, no, sometimes you gotta, but it's fun. It's also fun to like get into, I I have found the fun in getting into a state. Yeah. 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 But I like a procedural to me, that would be like, maybe not so fun (laughs) when you're you're providing dramatic exposition. If you're doing something where you can really like dive into a character and go fucking nuts. And at that point, Maybe something funny, like the director the, and your collaborators are like, something funny might come out of this. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And so it's just full freedom. To me, like, that's that's great drama. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I, because I, sometimes, like, comedy can be stodgy, too, where there's no freedom in that. And you're like, Jesus, these jokes aren't funny and we're having oh, yeah. to stay to it. Absolutely. I think it's I mean, like... I've been in room. I've been worked on TV shows out here where in the writer's room, there was the feeling of quit screwing around. Everybody, we got to write comedy, you know, and it's like, oh, that's not I don't know. I as much as I might not know everything, but I know that that's not really a great way to do it. If you really want it to be funny. Yeah. Being on that sitcom set where you have the writers and it's a single cam. Yeah, and you have the writers laughing hysterically at oh. jokes, whether they work or not, mm. and being like, "Guys, you're not going to be in the living room of nope. these people, <laughs> no. and and maybe they'll like it. Even I don't, though. It's yeah. not funny, and so <laughs> yeah, and if yeah, so I think like I think basically. If people are free in either genre, that's the way to be, and if yeah. people are too uniform and and have a, a preconceived too much of a preconceived idea of how it should be regardless of what's happening in front of them yeah. on set or on stage then that's a bad environment to be in and i've been lucky 
to, and regardless of what I work with, I'm, you know, the people who are leading those shows or those films are not like that for the most part, at least right. in the last like six years, you know, I'm, and, uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you, you've, you get to do a lot of fun stuff. It's really, it's really uh, enviable. To Thank be you. To be blunt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to hear you say that, I mean, like, you know, I've really, I've always really admired you a lot, I think. Oh, thank You're, you. You know, I mean, like, from I, the first time, I think the first time I saw you was Cabin Boy. Yeah, probably. And and that's a fully realized character. It's funny to hear you talk, because like, I'm like, oh, that's like, I know, like, I look at that, I'm like, Andy knows what that guy had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> Even if you didn't think that thought, like, it's just yeah. like, it, it was such a character of like, so, it was so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. you know and yeah uh, that was that was that playing the dumb man child that was i was called on for that a lot i still am <laughs> and i mean and i'm happy to do it because it's it's uh, it's a never-ending font of of yeah. good times like yeah you know. and i'm the guy i always play the guy you probably not going to want to hang out with <laughs> whether he's a bad guy or a good guy. You're not going to yeah. want to hang out with him. A little too much time. energy, just a little <laughs> too much. much. <laughs> kind of like me, kind of <laughs> like how I really am. <laughs> now, were, were you that way? Uh, have you been that way? Like uh, now I'm see, I, I had forgotten this too. I, I'd known it at one point, but you and I are both from the Chicago land area. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're from Highland park. And you're from there too. And yeah. you, you know, came up in the Chicago scene and I yeah. came up in the New York scene, but that was a set. I mean, it was completely influenced by the Chicago scene. Right. And right. It, it was a Chicago scene in New York. You yes. know, we were learning Chicago comedy and improvisational values. We just happened to be in New York city. And that was from, you know, learning by watching you and everybody and, you know, Taking were classes you, and performing there. Back, were you a funny, incorrigible type of kid uh, in in Illinois growing up? I, I think like I was more of a weird, desperate, strange, highly sensitive <laughs> kid. <laughs> than we can I laugh was. about it now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm all good now. I'm Mister <laughs> Mister Balance. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I didn't already do at least two things that I highly regret today. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, no, I was, a, I was a weirdo. I was, yeah, very strange. And I wasn't like somebody who was proud of being strange. I yeah. wanted to be popular. I wanted to be normal. It just, it just wasn't going to happen. And everybody around me constantly reminded me of that. And in one way, I'm like, oh, my God, I was abused. And in another way, I was like, maybe I was just like so annoying and horrible (laughs) and like deserved to like get like thrown down the stairs. No, 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 no. I mean, well, how did now how how do your parents deal with this? You know, when as you're as a kid, like, do they know that? I think my parents were concerned. (laughs) And. You know, also were crazy in their own way and lacked boundaries. I mean, like a very typical, like, Eastern European Chicago Jewish household. Oh, Not yeah. a lot of, like, emotional control and boundaries. Yeah. But deep, but deep loyalty. Deep loyalty. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they were always support. You know, I was like in my mother's eyes, I was, I think, always right. Mm. And in my father's eyes, I think he was like, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of like, uh, like you, you, that's that's your department, kid. You worry about and, all that, and, all and that stuff like, out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was an old school dad and he was kind of like shut down. And like, I think a lot of the time being like, how'd I get here? <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this what i want but yeah, not yeah. knowing not having the tools to ask those questions in a yeah, healthy way yeah, yeah. kind of just letting those questions eat at him as yeah. the years went by yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> the unexamined life is still good for a few a few yucks yeah oh my god i know especially in this day and age i mean yeah there's really there's really a lot of people that really still believe in that and yeah uh, i I'm jealous of them in a way. In a way. <laughs> it, well, yeah, I guess it is, because it is like, and there is a differentiation uh, because you don't have any kids, right? No, no, yeah. I don't. I don't. I want it, to. I, I plan on that. It's not yeah. a stance. It's just, yeah. No, I understand. Um, but I mean, but just because I do have kids and yeah. um, it does, I I. You there is, and I mean, I talked to this about parents like uh, today. You know, parents that are my age, like it's such a night and day difference in terms of the involvement of parents in their children's lives now. To the point yeah. of, I mean, you know, sometimes the pendulum has swung too far, and there are parents that are far too involved in their kids. But I mean, the notion of like when I having kids go up through through grade school when there'd be the parent night and they'd sit there and tell me what kind of math they were learning, I would always just be like, "Why are you telling this? This is between you and the kid. Like I don't want to know about this, you know." And I mean, I don't yeah, even know that. I don't even know that. I think maybe like my mom went to those things, and even then she was probably bored because I was homework, schoolwork. I was on my own, you know. It was like, yeah. You know, uh, you probably don't want C's, do you? No. Well, you better work a little harder. Okay. You know, that was the extent of it. That was yeah. the extent of it. And with my kids, it's, you know, tutors and educational psychologists. And, you know, so they can excel as much as they can. And I don't yeah. know, you know. I mean, it's I, great in some ways, but it's also, uh, I, I mean, I, I wonder sometimes if it's too much. I basically, I guess. I don't know why yeah. I'm telling you that, but uh, no, <laughs> it's no, I the mean, subject I, came up. No, I'm always, I mean, I'm fascinated in it. I mean, I, you know, of course have, there's a lot of people in my life with kids. I mean, it's wild. I mean, I have, me and my girlfriend have two dogs and don't worry, I'm not going to get into the whole thing of comparing being a dog parent yeah, to yeah, a yeah. human parent. Yes, yes. Because, you know, human people with, with children they love that when dog, <laughs> uh, dog uh, owners do that. Well, you no, do but, have to. I mean, you'd have to feed them and pick up their poop. But, you know, there is a similarity. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do think I'm like I definitely like care about like how I behave around my dogs more probably than my father cared about <laughs> how he behaved around me. <laughs> oh my I god! Definitely yeah. Do that. I definitely like, and that, my dad was was a great dad in a lot of ways. But yeah, like, yeah. Like, he definitely wasn't like, oh, how is my anger over this crumb on the floor affecting yeah, yeah. my son's level of anxiety? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. I'm definitely like more concerned about yeah, that. yeah. And so I imagine when I do have kids, that yeah, it'll be along those lines. But I yeah. think I, it's I guess it's like a push and pull, right? Some yep. days you're like we're diving in, and then other days you're like, whoa, let's Just, ease back, right? This let's is- yeah, let's well, let, yeah, and also there's other day there are days too where it's like. Look, I'm just going to try and hang out in the background until dinner time. You know, like I'm just going to, you know, like uh, I'm not going to get that involved. And, you know, and you can, so there's days when that's really, really necessary, too. Um, but, yeah, you're right. The, the, the anger, too, the harnessing your anger. I, I learned that throughout my fatherhood. Um I I I used to just be this angry fucking guy sometimes and I and yeah. I would say like well that's what dads are and it's like yeah but why why does it you know like you know all yeah. that shit you don't like about yourself don't you think maybe it's cuz that all that screaming about nothing that you grew up with oh yeah that probably that probably did cause some issues i should maybe lay off the screaming um no it's very disturbing when i feel that i'm like channeling my parents flaws yes in a very a very i mean al- almost like mirroring them. like like they're possessing me it feels yes. like yes it, it's it's one of the most disturbing feelings it's and- it's just plain icky like when i hear myself and i hear my mom or i hear my dad it is gross it's just yuck what am i doing I can, I mean, I can feel a facial expression that my father had on my face and yeah, be yeah. like, Ooh, let's get this out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it's yeah. It's yeah. very scary. Cause it's, that's one of my, I guess one of the fears, right. That we become our parents and that we just continue along the path of their flaw. Don't learn from their mistakes. Just make yeah. the mistakes all over again. Yes. Yeah. Streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pack is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pack Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, how does um, an anxious kid, hungry for acceptance, get into 
acting like you know like yeah the rejectathon of acting uh, i think it was yeah no i mean i saw i saw a night at the opera when i was six years old i rented the video from the public library uh-huh and um and then i just got obsessed with comedy i got obsessed with mel brooks you know, the original SNL all cast. This, all this, the oldies, yeah. Yeah, Eddie, you know, Murphy, Peter oh, okay, Sellers. Yeah. And then a little bit older, Monty Python. And uh, also, like, the whole cast of the of the Brooks movies, I you know, yeah. to this day, I think are some of the greatest. I mean, even Gene Wilder aside, who to me is, you know, uh, a gold standard. I mean, people like... Malin Khan, Harvey Corman, and Cloris Leachman, yep. and Dom DeLuise, and Marty Feldman, and Kenneth Mars. That whole company, really, I was like, that's how I want to act. That's yeah. how I want to act right there. And then yeah. seeing Gilda and Bill Murray, Belushi, Aykroyd, John Candy, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, it just was like, it was wanting to be these people. And I think that that was very much in a fantasy place. And it took me a while of like going to theater camp. I mean, it was even up until high school where I was like, am I funny? I don't even know if I am funny. Mm -hmm. And then in high school, I started to get, I think, I mean, really what happened was I just was so angry. I started to filter that through being funny. And there Uh was sort of a, I think it's when you, I think anger is one of the things, one of the positivities of anger is that it really, can help you in moments abandon at least uh, even if you're in denial about it, not caring what people think of you. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the greatest, that's the greatest training in comedy and acting mm-hmm. is, is like going up on, I mean, how many shows have we done? I mean, I used to do shows at UCB all the time. Uh, and that started in, I think that trend sort of started in high school of like, let me see how much I can make these people hate me right now. In a, in a way, there were those moments. Yeah, and was there? I, was it then, a conscious thing, or would it just kind of come out as an instinctual thing? I think it was being angry at the audience and being fed up with like trying to be funny and bombing. <laughs> just being like, well, you know what? It was like it was like seeing the audience as the bully, and then that one day being like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, you know, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm not even funny. I'm crazy. I'm going to kick your ass. Like, that's what uh, I think some of those, like, one in the morning shows yeah, yeah. were at times. And 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 then sometimes you, you would do that and it would lead to great results and it would, you know, teach me something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I felt like very shy. You know, I, I felt very much like a student of comedy, a student of acting rather than an actor or a comedian until really high school, until I started, I had a great theater department in, in Highland Park high school. That was like, there was a great, we were being taught advanced stuff, maybe too advanced. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then I would drive to the city and take classes at second city. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I felt very much like a student. And then it was also sort of like, I felt like I had to like will myself to be funny. I felt like I had to will myself to decide that I was funny, to decide that I had presence. Mm -hmm. Like I would sometimes just think about like, and this lasted 
I mean, it still does. It still does. Like that idea of taking up space, like big enough space to fill a stage, fill a set, fill a character, you know, yeah. fill a made up world. Yeah. And, and, uh, and everything about childhood and adolescence is designed for people to make you not take up space. Yes. Minimized. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, less, less, less. Yeah. 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 And in adulthood, it's like, that's like one of the big struggles of how, how to behave is like, yeah. okay, maybe I do need to be less here. <laughs> oh, it is too much. Yeah, yeah, It actually yeah. is too much. Yes, yes. And also, too, sometimes, sometimes being, being less is just a nice break. You know, it's just, it's just, it's relaxing, you know. Oh, my I, God. Yeah. Those days where I can not say anything in reaction yeah. to something. Mm-hmm. They're few and far between. It's, <laughs> I feel I, like that's a real accomplishment. I have I have felt just throughout my life. There's like different things that I think are like, oh, that's that's being a grown up. Like there's like different like like the main one that I think about being a grown up is is like two conflicting things at one time, like your mother being a source of of warmth and 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 love and encouragement and and why you're who you are in so many of the best ways and then also like a destroyer of you you know the person that can also like make you just burn you to the ground if she feels like it and i mean and even if she doesn't feel like it if she's just you know just kind of does it and it's like those two things coexist and an, 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 another one of those is learning when you don't say sometimes you being a grown up is don't say it don't say anything you think it whatever but just shut up don't say it that's no, you know oh yeah i'll literally i mean all of my therapy is built around boundaries about yeah. it's that's it yeah is just boundaries is like stay in your lane don't you know, don't make it about that. Make it about you. And if it's not working for you, then you got to do what you need to do in order to yeah, either to tolerate that or separate from it. And, yeah. and that's really hard because I'm somebody who instinctually wants to ram my head into the brick wall and mm. break it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I wasn't raised with boundaries. <laughs> uh, right, right. Yeah, I, I was raised. With confrontation. I don't think we ever left the house and there wasn't a fight right wow. before we left. Yeah. I don't think that happened. Like I can count on my <laughs> one hand how many times <laughs> that happened. And it was normally about my mother taking too long to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I remember I think I've mentioned it here, like one beautiful summer night walking home from football practice and the it was warm, so it must be, have been like uh, you know, like at the beginning of the school year, uh, maybe even before school started. And it was, I just remember it was a beautiful sunset and just, it was a perfect weather. And I was walking home and just, just, you know, it's kind of country out there is a little rural and it just was so beautiful. And I got, and I kid you not, I was like a quarter of a mile from my house and I heard, I heard my mother screaming at one of my siblings and I just was like, Oh my God. You know? Yeah. And then even as I walk up to the house, it's like this beautiful old farmhouse and all the windows are open and the screen porch is open. And you know, like 
warm light inside and the, but coming from outside is just like oh, no, a lot of God. mothers are a lot of mothers i don't want to generalize but a lot of mothers are tricky mothers yeah. are like mothers are like los angeles and i don't want to generalize too much again and fathers and i'm saying like your father could be your mother you know uh-huh. your father could be the you know um your mother could be your father so i'm yeah. saying the archetype of the behavior mother types are tricky they're like los angeles they're like i love you or do i not <laughs> like, yeah, yeah does yeah, yeah. my love come with conditions yeah is yeah. it unhealthy to love me too much is it unhealthy <laughs> for me to love you too much where fathers are like new york we're like this is the way it is and it's yeah. straight up right and either you like it or you don't and right. if you don't you know get the fuck up whatever here. whatever yeah not my problem Ex- exactly yeah. i also it's find- like the rules are laid out I also, as I've gotten older, I feel like mothers, so many mothers are angry. And then, and you realize like, oh, and they have lots of reasons to be angry. Like they're they're like, they're frustrated and fed up and you're like, okay, yeah, I, okay. I get it. I see. Yeah. I would be too. Yeah. Yes. No, it is as much as fathers like to think that it's harder to be a father. Oh no. I mean, there's no comparison. No comparison whatsoever. There's no comparison. It's yeah, way even, harder to be a mother. Even if it's in the sort of like traditional sense, making money is a breeze compared to dealing with feelings, you know, like a household right. full of feelings. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, making money, money doesn't talk back, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you're a straight uh, cis woman and you're the mother it's life is just harder for you if you're gay it, or if you're queer and you're a mother life is harder for you <laughs> outside of just being in the family yes yes so, you know societally that's yep. not a word yeah yeah it's harder and then you got the family dynamic on top of that so it's just it's uh yeah they don't have it easy and have to map out a lot of things yeah so well, when you and, when you started wanting to get into, I'm sorry, did you? Re, I, I interrupted you there. No, 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 no. I'm oh, done. Okay. I'm done. No, you're uh, done. Um, when you when you how were your parents when you said like because you ended up kind of going to theater school, yeah? Yeah, they were they were supportive. Oh, that's good. They were supportive. Yeah, yeah, they were. I I they were always really really supportive. I mean, occasionally maybe my dad made like a crack a couple times. About like, no, he never really did. Uh, They just knew it was my dream from such an early age. And Mm -hmm. I think that they were so concerned about my emotional and mental well-being. They were like, I mean, the only choice is to support him or he might kill himself or (laughs) kill us. So, (laughs) Or both. Why not both? both. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's both if it's going to be anything. Uh, It'll be so much easier on the relatives if it's both. That way we can stay together. (laughs) That way we can all stay together forever. Talk about Um, loyalty. Yeah, but they were, I mean, they were, in, they were intensely supportive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of like normal narcissism. Yeah, right. No, I know. Like making it about them. But yeah. like in terms of my <laughs> dreams and fulfilling that, they were really supportive. They, there was no question of me going to drama school. Yeah. Never. Me doing this with my life. Yeah. And you went to uh, no- for that. somewhere in North Carolina, right? Wasn't it a... Yeah. 
I went to North Carolina School of the Arts. Which and was, how did uh, you, how did you find that? How does it how does a kid from Highland Park figure out to go to North Carolina? It was and wild. Is, is, is there know, culture shock? It's culture shock, isn't it? Absolutely no. Yeah. It was, well, I, it was random because I mean we're bred to stay in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Like yeah. you know, you're going to go to U of I or you know, uh, just an Illinois school, you know, Columbia, yeah. whatever. I and, went. To, I, uh, it's funny. I went to U of I in Columbia. Yeah, you did. I did. I did. <laughs> Which are amazing schools. They're amazing both great schools. schools. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and my teacher actually uh, in Second City. His teacher taught the high school program. There was a high school program at North Carolina School of the Arts. And uh, he was like, I think they got a great program there. So, you know, you do all the auditions for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the places I got in. And then I went when I went there. I mean, by the time I was, you know, going around to college, (laughs) I was a deadhead. Uh And I was like, I like I like the vibe here. Oh, dude. I really like the vibe here. Yeah. But I also really connected with the guy, you know, the assistant dean and uh, my improv movement acting teacher, who were the two guys who I did the audition for. I felt like I connected the most with them in my audition process, too. So it was like all those things. And I was like, I'm going to move to Chicago, New York, or L.A. This is nothing like any of those places. Yeah. And and so I'll get to experience the South, which was, yeah, a definite culture shock, especially for the first two years. The second two years, I got more used to it. And also, it's a conservatory, so you weren't really leaving the school. Yeah, It yeah, was yeah. all-encompassing. Yeah. yeah. Now, because you have a Grateful Dead shirt on, and we were talking about it uh, beforehand. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. that when you were because you were oh, right. You, I forgot. Yeah, I yeah, forgot yeah. that was not recorded. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention we didn't yes. mention it yet. But uh, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, yeah you were speaking a, a little bit. Yeah, and that you were, and that you for a while. Because I asked you, are you a deadhead? And you said no. But then you said, oh, I did travel for a couple of years with them. No, <laughs> I was a deadhead. I was a deadhead. Yeah, yeah. Not, I wouldn't say I'm a deadhead anymore. Right. I definitely wouldn't say that. But I do love the Grateful Dead, and but yeah, I'm not, I'm not still keeping up with the culture. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. whole, it's a, it's a lifestyle, it's a philosophy, it's a way of being. I mean, yeah, that is, yeah, um, unto itself. So yeah. yeah, I was more of a part of that, but I still was like, I think I always knew in the back of my mind, even when I was like, uh, I'm a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, isn't there room for Jews in the deadhead world? No, there's lots of Jews. No, I just was like, I was, I'm an urban person. I'm not I see. Like, oh, I see what you mean. I'm not a drifter. I think like and, and the farthest it got was like right before it was. So I went on tour with the Grateful Dead after I graduated high school. And it was right before I was going to college. And that is the part where I could have actually maybe ruined my life <laughs> the most. Because I literally was like, maybe I'll be a drifter like Neil Cassidy and, and Kerouac. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was hanging out with some very like amazing people and but then also a lot of drug addicts (laughs) and drifters yeah so you know and they seemed free and they seemed fully like authentic to themselves i you know some of them are dead uh but uh yeah so 
whether they were or not, I don't know. But that like seemed very attractive as a person who was constantly measuring my own worth based on what other people thought of me. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, it felt like, oh, this could be freeing. And then I think I didn't smoke pop for like a couple days and I got a little clarity and I was like, no, I need to pursue my dream. I need to go back to right, pursue right, right. my dream. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then yeah, dried out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you were saying too that you were, you sold grilled cheeses and burritos and. Oh yeah, I was all in. I had like, I didn't dread my hair because. I don't agree with white people having dreadlocks. That's a that's a that's, sound. That's a very sound stance to take. I, I find it disrespectful and yeah. I find it to be cultural appropriation. Absolutely, I, I knew uh, I've known people that like dreaded their hair and like I just feel like if you have to put wood glue in your hair, y- y- your hair is not meant to do what it, you're yeah. trying to get it to do. Like wood no. glue, nah. That's you know I don't think and anybody in Jamaica is putting wood glue in their hair. No, 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 no. And yeah. it's, uh, it, it's not like it's a, it's a whole practice that is yes. handed down by generations. Right. That is a natural practice. And it's spiritual. Yeah. It's spiritual. It's like about, uh, it's about an actual belief in the connection with God in yes. yourself. Right. And, uh, and these people were just, <laughs> yeah. So I hung out with like a lot of white kids who had dreads and they and i have really curly hair i mean and i used to have a full head of curly hair and it was this giant i mean it went from a jufro to like being a mane and the kids were always trying to get me to dread my hair and i never did that i did get a hemp wrap once but i never went (laughs) dreadlocks yeah and i remember telling them one day uh, this kid, he was like, why don't you dread your hair? You'll have the most beautiful dreads. You have like, you have the most beautiful dreads, man. I mean, you have the perfect hair for it. And I was like, well, man, I just, you know, I'm an actor. I I might have to cut my hair one day. Yeah. And him, me telling him that, it was like I told him that I had tossed a baby out of 42nd floor story window. It was like, it was his reaction. And then he just looked at me and he just, and he just went, gonna chase those crazy bald heads out of town, which is a Bob Marley song. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, you know, anti, uh, I mean, white oppression. And, 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 I was very grateful that he sang that because that clinched it for me. (laughs) I was not so fuzzy or insecure that I couldn't see. Oh, yeah. And then that guy started doing heroin. So, you know, hey, no shade on on drug addicts. It's a horrible disease. But like, uh, and that's not, you know, I do believe you're born with that. But, um, right. But, yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But hey, yeah, there, yeah, there's, there's, there's sort of attendant choices that might also inform the ultimate sort of falling into something that you have a predilection for. I didn't feel very authentic when I would take a hit from the Chillum and just to fit in with the other white pseudo Rastas praise jaw. I think I did that. Like I was managed to do that three times, and then I was just like, "What the fuck am I doing?" I can't. Say I just that. saw. I just saw Groucho Marx's ghost <laughs> sitting next to me, shaking his head, going, "You loser! You loser!" 
I also there's also part of it that I love that even in like drifter deadhead culture, there's peer pressure. There's still oh. peer pressure. It's oh, crazy. So much. You know? Yeah. So much. It's no, it's definitely it's not a free. I mean, I think that much like any group, yeah. mostly everybody's an asshole. <laughs> and then you've got your few special yeah. people. Right, right. I mean, I, I did like a po- I did Doug Benson's podcast that was he was like, You were a deadhead, you'd like follow the dead. I'm gonna have an actual deadhead now. And I got an and this deadhead had never seen the actual band. She had only seen what had existed after Garcia had died. Wow. And was talking to me about like the actual, like what was going on in the lot and stuff like that. I'm like, but I was there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> talking about, <laughs> and there was just a, there was a lot of that, but it was very atypical. It was very typical energy of, I mean, your average asshole. Uh, I won't yeah, say groups of, groups yeah. of young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groups of exactly. young people trying to fit in and, you know, yeah. Herd mentality. Yeah. Just, yeah, no. And then uh, it just, there was a lot more stakes. We were all yeah. really high. I mean, I was hanging out with people who sold Coke to buy weed, putting themselves in very dangerous situations. Sure. I did not. Sure. There were, there were, there were deadhead gangs. There were like kids who were like, and, and this happened. I think this started to gestate more like as the, on the fish lot too, but there were like, like former friends of mine who like went down this dark path of being in like gangs on the dead lot. It was, it was very, very strange. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole, there's a lot of pockets of different types of people, uh, you know, in that whole world there. That's actually, it's pretty fascinating. I bet. But, and also yeah. very disturbing. Yeah. And not just the, you know, wavy, grazy, wavy, gravy, lazy, daisy way. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. That's, yeah. I, they were, just, they were talking on Howard Stern a little while ago about how there are um, nitrous gangs. Like selling tanks, uh, you know, and, and at dead shows and fish shows, people selling balloons of nitrous outside in the parking lot. And there are oh, yeah. violent gangs that control that market. And it's it's just, it's, yeah, it, I don't know why, why it's why it's sort of stunning that like, oh, an illegal drug that can be quite lucrative and that has a marketplace and a, 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 a very healthy uh, market, you know, like people, a, a customer base that's very yeah. robust. Like, oh yeah, of course, it's going to get violent. It's going to get weird. It's going to get ugly. It it never went to it never went to violence, but I definitely like friends of mine, and I might might have even had a piece of it. I don't totally remember. <laughs> to be honest, I was never part of any of the wheeling and dealing of the nitrous tanks. I was. They would, I think maybe like a couple times people were like, Hey, you want in on this and, you know, give us a hundred bucks and you'll get a cut. And I was yeah, like, yeah. okay. And then I'd be like, Ooh, that felt bad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there'd be like nitrous parties in these tanks. I mean, they are, if they are in a house or on the lot, they are stolen. I mean, yeah. they are stolen from a truck. And so there's definite criminal activity going on. Sure. Sure. And, uh, and it's dark. It's very dark. I mean, yeah. it is like, you know, it's people basically like huffing down big balloons to pass mm-hmm. out 
And that is, I mean, there's a lot of darkness there. Yeah. And it was in a lot of ways, a very dark period for me. Yeah. Really dark period for me. Yeah. Streaming May 23rd, only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown-ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. <laughs> you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. <laughs> to sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? You get out of college. <laughs> you get out of college. I mean, you know, and I'm yeah. and and good for you to like understand too that like no, I this is fun, but I you know I have you know dreams to remember to quote yeah. another uh, you know uh, yeah no uh, 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 another reggae lyric um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah you know and and. And and after you're out of school, do you have connections to go to New York, or and is New York just there because it's there, you know, because it's the closest one? I think that was the it was just expected from the school. I think it was expected, like you go to New York and then you start, you live there, you do regional theater, and if you're lucky, yeah, uh, you do. Then you do off Broadway. Then eventually you find yourself on Broadway, and then you'll eventually find yourself doing film. Mm. And uh, I think like TV was not as respected by the you know student body by the faculty. Uh, I'm sure it is now, though. I mean, it was a different era of TV. It ought not to that be. there yeah, wasn't. It's, oh, it's it's totally di- yeah. It's totally yeah. Different. I mean, it's it's become you know with with HBO you know the, with Things like The Sopranos and Larry Sanders mm-hmm. and Sex in the City, it became cinematic. You yeah. know, it, it just got higher value. But but there was lots of great TV before that. I don't mean to disparage incredible well, art that was going on on television before yeah, but, that. But sort of, but I think what's amazing now and this sort of TV renaissance thing is that there's, there's things on like the lower tier of streamers that are fucking yeah. fantastic that nobody even knows about, you know, like just like, yeah, there's just such a high quality of work. Whereas when there'd be, you know, you could sort of count on the sort of off brand television stuff when we, you and I were younger would probably be shitty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, now totally. it's like, no, there's probably, t- it's probably great. Like that new thing yeah. that you hear about that's on, I don't, you know, peacock or you know Tubi yeah, or exactly. whatever it's like oh that's like, fucking awesome yeah epics all these you know ones and you you know i mean there's so many things that i hear about i have to like google where where is it you know like yeah to find totally. where it is yeah yeah i mean you got like things like top boy and south side and enlightened and getting on and, yeah, yeah. and uh 
and better things, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like better, you know, Pamela doesn't get enough credit for just how brilliant that show that show's is fantastic you know? yeah, i gotta get her and, on here i get she's the one somebody that i think about and i'm like hey, she needs to come on here and then i forget about it so oh yeah you guys would be right i mean i've only out. met her i've only met her once but oh that'd be amazing to listen yeah. to a conversation between you two yeah and so i yeah i wound up in new york and you do this thing where you do like two scenes that are like five minutes and some people who are more musically theater and musical theater inclined did like a song in a scene. So I played, I played the James Coco role from last of the red hot lovers by Neil Simon, yeah, which is a 50 year old character. And I played Roy Cohn's doctor from angels in America, who is also a 50 year old character. And I was just like, Hey, should I play like younger people since this is for agents and casting yeah, directors? Yeah. And I think at even that time I thought like I knew they didn't necessarily have the most creative mindset yeah. when it came to signing new clients, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, no, great acting is great acting. And they were wrong. I was right. Yes. And nobody yes. signed me. And it's then an John incredibly Daly. uncreative part of the business. Casting is incredibly uncreative. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there, I mean, there's those great casting directors who are artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's, I mean, I guess like, again, the majority of any field in anything aren't great at what they do, you know, well, I mean, people. Yeah. And it's, it's a, you know, there's a lot of it. That's too, that's filling slots. Like we yeah. need, we need a villain. Okay. How about I got a drawer full of villains, you know, we need bumbling yeah. idiots. I got a drawer full of bumbling idiots. And then, and if you score well as a bumbling idiot, you know, like you mentioned cabin boy after I did cabin boy, I had been doing all kinds of auditions for all kinds of different parts. And I was very happy with that. And after cabin boy, it was just idiots. It was just like, yeah, just stupid. That's all I would get for, you know, a couple of years. Yeah. 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 No, everybody wants me to be a piece of shit now, nowadays. And it's like, I mean, if it's an interesting piece of shit, I'll do it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, an, an interesting character is an interesting character. But yeah, no. So I didn't get signed. I had one meeting with one person that was an advice meeting. And she was like, you're a character actor, kid. You'll work when you're 50. It's like, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but until but then, then, you're on your but, own. But, but John Daly, you know yes, John Daly, right? I do, I do. Very funny comedian and actor. Yeah, old Saxo- friend of mine. Saxophone player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he, um, and I've known him for almost 30 years. And yeah. he, went to, he went to North Carolina for two years and then left. And uh, he went right to New York. And then we kept in touch, obviously. And then he was like, you got to check out this place. I'm, I'm working with this group called the Upright Citizens Brigade. And then by the time I had moved to New York, UCB had just moved into the first place on 22nd Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, but I'm going to be on Broadway. <laughs> I'm going to be doing, you know, Shakespeare, Simon, Pinter, and Chekhov. Like, yeah, I, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. do this this improv and sketch thing that we messed around with in college and that I did in high school. I'm beyond that now. And agent said, no, you're not. And then I went there and I remember going to my first ASCAT and being like, holy shit, this is, 
this is art happening here. This is incredibly innovative stuff. You know, I think, I mean, I believe you were in the, you were in the first ASCAD I saw and I was like, Oh my God, there's Andy Richter. I was, I was like, I think Conan did the first monologue he of the first yeah. ASCAP, ASCAP that I saw. Yeah. And, you know, and then you had like, you had the four of them. You had Tina before Weekend Update. You had Rachel yeah. before being on the show. Tina you had Faye, McKay, Rachel Dratch. Yeah, Adam Rachel McKay. Dratch. Yeah. You had Adam before, you know, while he was head writer of SNL, you know. You had yeah. John Glazer doing the funniest things that I had ever seen. You yeah. know, you all were doing the funniest things that I'd ever seen on stage. And I was like, oh, this is this is not fucking around at all. And this is something that I'm incredibly intimidated by, too, that I, I don't know how to do, even though I've done improv for a while. I don't know how to do it like this. And then I started taking classes and I rose up real. I got on stage real quick because, I mean, I was one of the only people who knew how to be on the stage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people that were like, wow, you're fucking weird. You make me laugh when I'm high. Get on stage. <laughs> you're in a Herald team, baby. Yeah. yeah. So I was I, a little more than that. Yeah. I The yeah. thing, the one that I always noticed was, oh, you keep acting when you're not talking. Like that was, there was like, because there seemed to be so many people that would just, when they were talking, they'd act and then they'd just stand there to wait to talk and act again, you know, but there was no, yeah. <laughs> there was like no occupying, occupying the space within the thing, except when they were speaking. Then it was like a type of, per, it was like living art. It was like that person is unlike any human being that I've ever seen before. And that uh-huh. was, I mean, that was really cool to see truly strange people doing that yeah you know, um, yeah yeah who weren't necessarily performers but who were genuinely odd yeah and and uh and so yeah so i was also genuinely odd but also had all of this training and so yeah i got on a, a herald team really fast and then even before that was doing a sketch show there and so yeah and then with john yeah yeah john was in yeah, my yeah, first yeah. sketch group yeah my first my first two sketch groups. The first sketch show I ever did at UCB was called The Grizz. Uh huh. And John Ross Bowie directed us, and it was me and John and this guy and uh, a friend named Vadim Newquist, mm-hmm. um, who's you know not doing uh, a comedy. I don't think. I mean, I haven't talked to him in quite a while. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So that was that was the first show, and then you know you, we got the. You get that like nod from Matt Besser, <laughs> and, and no, and we we you know me and uh, John wrote. Well, John was already on a Herald team by the time I started doing UCB. So yeah, I rose up the ranks like pretty fast, and then mm-hmm. you got into the pool of familial uh, 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 dysfunctional competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like every. Every comedian does, whether you're yeah. an improv and sketch comedian or you're a stand-up. Yeah. It's like every comedian then becomes family. There is nobody who you love or hate anymore than <laughs> all of your friends in comedy. Yes, all those people that mean the most to you. Yeah. 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 Just like, oh, wow, you're so awful. But you let me be awful, too. So <laughs> I love you. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also, too, when yeah. you're young, I always found, too, when you're young, like I could take like I enjoyed watching 
dysfunction bounce up against dysfunction and sparks fly. And then, oh, yeah. you know, and I mean, my, it, when I was young, that was, oh, wow, look at this crazy people being crazy at each other. And then yeah. t- time goes on. And you're like, oh, this is too, it's just tiring. It's just, I, yeah. I, I just want to take a nap now. Cause you know, no, it's not yeah, fun no, anymore. It was, it was exhilarating to watch people to be like, wow, they might be institutionalized tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I was one of those people <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, and like, yeah, truly irresponsible, incredibly irresponsible behavior. Yeah. And now I like seeing that um, mimicked. I love seeing that mimicked, but not actually yeah. lived out. I like yeah. people using that from their past. And I like to use that, but without it having real life repercussions. Yeah. 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 Well, um, was it hard? Did you give up? kind of on your Broadway-ish kind of dreams, you know, I mean, when, because, it, how, I mean, how soon, because uh, Eagle Heart was like the first steady acting thing you had that, did. yeah, 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 was that, that was the first, my yeah. first like real job, and, and I mean, that I was proud of, yeah, oh, uh, because it's, well, that show's crazy, I, I have, Thank I you. love, I yeah, love, very show, proud of that show. I love showing that show to people that don't know about that show. Uh, because yeah, it's a I mean, mind blower. I, you know, I think Chris is, uh, one of the most genius comedy performers, uh, of all time. I think, yeah. I think Chris is like you <laughs> top five, most underappreciated comedians of all time. Like just yeah. on the level of genius yep. of the man. And, uh, like, if you've only seen him and I, 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 Eagle Heart was great. It was exciting for me because I, I had already idolized Chris so much and to see Jason and, you know, Jason Walner and uh, Michael Komen and Andrew Weinberg who created the show and write all, wrote all the scripts, yeah. create something for him that I thought supported that genius again, yeah. you know, since, what he was doing in Cabin Boy and Get a Life and all of his work on Letterman and his Cinemax specials that, like, you know, a lot of, not enough people have seen that yeah. are some of the most, like, you know, FDR, a one-man show and Action Family are two of the most genius yeah. pieces of comedy ever made. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I got that gig. It was a while, though. I mean, I had moved to Los Angeles by the time I got Eagle Heart. Oh, so yeah. I hadn't get. I I sort of did gr- give up on my uh, on my Broadway dreams. I uh, I think I was too insecure at the time to tackle another scene. And I went. I remember I went to one. There was this group called Naked Angels, which was. Oh, you don't. And you don't mean like a scene in a play. You mean like a a happening. Uh, the community. An, an, an community. environment. Okay. Yeah, and. And I, I went to one Naked Angels uh, meeting and I was just like, I was very inspired by it. And then I was scared. You know, I'm ashamed of, to say that it, it is a regret that I have that I was not also simultaneously uh, pursuing the, the you know, off-Broadway and Broadway while I was pursuing Legit comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been trying to get back there. Um, I'd love to start doing plays again, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it just seemed like the comedy scene was such a, such a huge mountain (laughs) to keep climbing anyway, especially before I was working that I just was like, let's just, let's just stick to this. You know, I can't like crack a whole community and be like, hi, how you doing? 
I'm the new guy again. Right. It just yeah. it took so long right. to not be the new guy at UCB and not be the new guy in like the alt stand-up scene too. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. I don't blame you. That's that's like pretty sound reasoning, if you ask me. Yeah, it's like yeah, and especially you're you know, and you you're already halfway there. Like, why go start start again? Exactly. You know? And and I had pride in like I thought I saw what we were doing, or you know what I uh, me and a lot of my peers was doing is theater. You know, yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't in the same form, but it was acting. It was theater, and uh, and it was also in many ways. Uh, inventing itself as it went along, whereas mm-hmm. theater can tend to be sort of, I think it's a lot harder to do that in legit theater because legit theater has had such a head start to explore all different kind of avenues that it's like, it's hard to do something new in legit theater. Whereas when yeah. you're doing, you know, improv, this that kind of improv sketch, it, you know, yeah, there's Second City well, and yeah, there's the Groundlings, but... Uh, there, it was all always evolving into more stuff that was more just interesting and, and different. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, uh, you know, there's all, of course so much like non-commercial theater that was also doing that. But in terms of off Broadway and Broadway, it's a fight, you know, in the same way that it is in film and television for, you know, artists to really realize their vision. It's yeah. a real fight to do that. And an improv and sketch, it's like, you ain't got no, le- you know, once the lights go on, it's like, there's no more leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can do, I mean, with certain like Second City and Groundling reviews, but, uh, you know, to the side, like, you know, a lot of work at, at Second City and the Groundlings. And then, I, of course, at UCB and then IO was just like, you have no leash on me at all. I can yeah. do whatever I want here. I can be terrible and not lose my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> job as you know, sort of job yeah. with air quotes yeah. around it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not getting I'm not getting paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so fire like, me. Go yeah. ahead. No, but there was real innovative. It made me there's no doubt. I don't think that like I mean doing UCB made me a better actor. There's yeah. no yeah. Doubt in my mind. It made me a much better actor. It, like, you learn so much technique at a conservatory. And then, like, being really terrible for a, a few years. Really? At something, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, bombing is an ama- is amazing training. And mm-hmm. also the innovation of what we were learning and what we were inventing as we, as we went along. And linking up with people who were like-minded and all that. So, yeah. 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 And then theater opened in LA. I'd sort of like hit the glass ceiling of what I thought I was going to accomplish in New York. And I was like, well, now I have no excuse. And I had taken trips out to LA had been performing at the theater and death ray and stuff. Comedy death ray which yeah. became comedy. Bang, bang. Right. And I, I felt that people were more into my stuff too. And so then I came to LA and then that sort of just coincided with Jason Wallner coming to Los Angeles too. And then Jason's the reason I got Eagle heart. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and the and rest then is history. And the, and then fame, life, <laughs> action, sex. I, I slid right into a big champagne glass. <laughs> yes. Every day is sunshine <laughs> and glory over here. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, never, never a tear, never a frown. <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah. you know, but I'm, well, you do get, you've gotten to do so much, uh, you know, a lot of really fun, crazy stuff. And it's, you know. No, I'm so grateful. I know. Yeah. I know. I, I am grateful. I don't think I live a life of struggle. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no I, well, I, I mean, you know, everybody's yeah. good. You know, that's the thing. Every, you know, you, you can't be a Pollyanna either. It's like, you know, life is life and you have all these good things happen, but there's still 60 seconds in every minute and 60 minutes in every hour. And you got to fill them up with with the personality that has been poured into you and uh you know and so it's like yeah you can't always be like uh, it, it would be counterproductive yeah, no, to always no, totally. just yeah you know no i mean you have to recognize that i mean yeah i just uh that's the internal struggle yeah uh, that i'm talking about yeah my brain not my life my right, life is right. a charmed you know beautiful life i have I have a better, you know, we have a better life than most, yeah. you know, than the majority, the vast majority of the earth. And, uh, but yeah, there used, we still have, I mean, that's sort of like what Lenin was talking about in his goal. I don't remember And I mean, Vladimir, not John, but yeah, like yeah. that whole, that was his whole original ideal with what the revolution would do. Right. I'm not, a socialist or communist. But right, I'm right. relating it to, I heard this quote by him where it had something to do with, I want to end the external struggles. So human beings only have to deal with the internal struggle yeah. with the privilege of that. And uh, so I think, yeah, that's where, I mean, that's where I've always been at. I didn't grow up poor, you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up. I didn't ever were. I've never like truly worried about money. It's not like my parents were buying me, an apartment in union square when I was in New York. But like, I knew that if I ran out of money, I wouldn't be on the street, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's a really lucky place to be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, um, where, where do you, what's your, what's your dream coming true? Like what, what coming going forward? What do you, where would you, are there like certain things you, you would, like things that have remained unanswered, you know, like urges. Dreams. I just, I want to, I want to work with more great people and, uh, and work and play more great roles. I want to direct, um, and, you know, be more of like a, an auteur, I guess. Mm -hmm. I want to achieve that. I want to, you know, I want to be the lead in things as long as those roles are, are really, you know, interesting. I want to, you know, it be, I'm ready for the show to be mine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And not that, it, that I don't, I see everything as an ensemble piece regardless, but you know, where I I'm, I'm taking up the, you know, carrying the thing acting wise on my shoulders yep. a lot. I really want to step, I'm ready to really step into that. And whether that is uh, a film or a television show. Yeah. And then also, I'd love to, yeah, and start getting on stage more. Those are mm -hmm. really like the things. And then, and then I think I want to make like a comedy special. I haven't done that since Jason Wolner and I did our really, our, our, our trilogy that we did for Adult Swim, which were basically like one act plays. Mm -hmm. we, I haven't done it since then. And nobody watched. <laughs> I mean, it's strange. <laughs> I saw it's one of them. I remember seeing one of them, but I, I haven't seen all three. So, yeah. Yeah, the fact that those were on television were really, I mean, that's insane. 
Um, yeah. So, but I'd like to bring my own. I feel like you know just how you do. I'm sure like nobody does. Every comedian, nobody does what they do exactly, and so yeah. I'd like to put that out there again too. So those are really the big goals. And then life-wise, I want to have kids and yeah. get in the best shape of my life. Yeah. Are you and I, the best shape? Are, my, you, are, are you, uh, are you serious about that? I mean, are you, is that like a, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, that's good. I want to get, I want to get, you know, more fit and, and uh, not that I feel like I look bad. It's not really for looks as much as it is for versatility of the roles I play and health. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I have I just have a hard I have such a fucking hard time. I you know, I have all the desire, like, yeah, man, I'd really like to, but I just it's just really and it's, it's not even so much hard. eating, it's the it's the cardio. It's doing it's doing exercise. I just I don't like it. <laughs> you know, yeah, and I mean and I, I've done it, you know, you know, when I started making enough money that I could join a gym and, and work out with somebody, I've been doing it like since I was, you know, early thirties. And yeah. I have always been waiting for that thing of like, like just the people that are like, oh man, while I'm on vacation, I, I hope they have a gym there. And I'm always like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, what? Oh, yeah. you know, I don't, and I just have never gotten to that, man, I need to work out. Cause it, I feel so good. I still, after however many years, 20 some years of working out, my body is constantly, well, not constantly, but at least for the first 10 minutes. Hey, stop. Cut it out. I don't like this. <laughs> hey, 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 yeah. stop, stop it, stop it, you know? Yeah, the before and the beginning of the workout yeah. hate. Yeah, yeah, The The later, during, and after love. Yeah. And uh, I and then the before and during, I hate eating healthy. I hate mm, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but I'm doing like a cleanse now and uh, going to go on like a diet because the next thing I'm doing, I want to lose some weight for. But I also like, I, I, I don't, I think, you know, I think being big too is, is sexy too. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's all about attitude, you know, yeah. like feeling good about yourself. And so really it's just about me wanting to like continue to shift how people see me as an actor of like what the roles are that I can play and, and then challenge myself to transform into the character that I'm going to play. And then, and then health wise, you know, I got bad mm -hmm. genes. I got, Oh bad yeah. Genes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's important I, to head that off at the pass as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get heart disease or diabetes yeah. if I can yeah, help yeah. it. But you know, there's a way to turn that around too. So it's yep. not like, so yeah. So that's really that's really the thing, and I do dig it. I mean, I started training in karate for Stranger Things, and I really do enjoy that. Oh, and cool. That's really that's fun because I mean, it, it's sort of like being a kid in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's and you're really exercising, hard. but you're still, yeah, but you're still, you're kind of dancing and fighting all at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, I just learned how to do a back kick Yeah, and I'm sweating. I'm like sweating profusely and out of yeah. breath. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and my trainer is like this master who is very serious about it, but also nice, but also very kind. Do you have to call him supportive. sensei? I have to call him master. I really, oh, really? do. He, he asked me to. And the reason, it, not like when we're talking in life, but when we're training, he's like, because what I'm teaching you is so aggressive. I'm yeah. I mean, he's teaching me to be, I mean, to be able to kill someone with my right. body. Right, right, right. I mean, this guy, he's like, I don't even know how old he is. Like, I know he is 
probably in his fifties or sixties. Yeah. But I don't know because he looks very young. Yeah. And because he's, you know, been in amazing shape his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, Oh, and this guy is the kindest, most, he's a gentle soul, but also know he could kill me in yeah. like three seconds. And yeah. so he's like, I'm teaching you this aggressive thing. And so you calling me master humbles you to balance that out. Oh. And so I was like, oh, that's a very practical thing. You know, that's very, and that's the cool thing about it too. There's a philosophy with it too, mm -hmm. of passivity as your, and knowledge and knowing oneself as you learn to kill people <laughs> with your hands and Right, feet. but only yeah. in a reactive way, not in an aggressive way. Only in a reactive way. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Never use right. might for right. Right. I mean, oh. never, I mean, never use, uh, violence for selfish means but only to develop might for right is part of the student credo oh nice nice <laughs> yeah that's cool right yeah yeah well what what do you uh... never thought you never thought you'd hear those words coming out of my mouth <laughs> i'm writing it down right now I, I just lost at least 10 fans saying that that's but i might have gained five so that's right cool. exactly exactly yeah 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 soon you will be called master <laughs> well thank you so much for spending this time you know the final question oh God, is, is the is the what you've learned part uh uh of of like what do you think like can you boil brett galman down into a a punchy little yeah. uh you know something to button a podcast with yeah i mean what i've learned is i mean it, it goes off of what we've been talking about before is i mean really uh, think before I react. Mm -hmm. And that's a thing that I try to learn every day and, uh, that I'm still learning and to get out of my own way of my own happiness. I am the one who is blocking my happiness more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and to yeah, to, to are, work are on you that. getting are you getting better at that? I think so. I yeah. think so. You know, it's still it's still a struggle because uh, yeah, I don't know. My mind's the my brain's the way. <laughs> it's a been a long way living this way, but uh, yeah, I think I am definitely getting better at that. I yeah. think I am. Yeah. Does um, what what aspect of the of the change in your life as you've gotten older has assisted you in making that change the most i think allowing more and more love in my life mm -hmm. uh, i mean really you know treating myself making choices i think taking actions that are supportive productive kind of actions towards myself Mm. I, you know, you can't really, I can't think myself into any state of being really, but mm -hmm. I can make choices and take actions that will then instinctually reconfigure my synapses and my brain in order to, and, and, and reconfigure my self-esteem to make yeah, myself yeah, feel yeah. better about myself. So like, I mean, it's cheesy, but like to really take actions that are more of, a movement towards, I think we're like, you know, 
this is obvious, but we're always moving. We're organisms. So we're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. We're either taking steps towards health or we're taking steps towards lack of health. We're taking mm-hmm. steps towards love or we're taking steps towards insecurity and fear and all of that. And, uh, but also I think part of that self love is like learning that those steps back are also learning opportunities to take mm-hmm. more steps forward. And that that's not, that's not ugly. That's human. Yeah. And so I think like trying to, love the mess that I am while at the same time making choices that are not so messy. Yeah. Yeah. A huge thing that uh, a crossroads that I came to in my life was uh, just the basic logic of when people talk shitty to me, I'm not inspired to help them or do what they want. And why don't I recognize that in myself? Like when I talk shitty to myself, like why would I honor that guy? That guy's an asshole. He just told me all kinds of awful stuff about me, but it's me that's doing it. So it's like, if I tell myself nice things, I'm much more likely to pursue the stuff that I know I should be doing or that I want to do or make the improvements and the changes that I want to make. And it took a long, long time because I think I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something in us that thinks like if we're really mean to ourselves and really hard on ourselves, I don't know if it's like the stern daddy kind of thing. Like we think that that's good and that's manly and that we're like, Uh we're, we're, you know, before anyone else can punish us for our bad choices, we're going to punish ourselves really, really hard. And that it's self-aggrandizing. And it's and yeah, it's just it's a way to it's a it acts like you're acting like you're making progress or like you're being a, a hard ass and really you know f- uh, taking a firm line with yourself. But all you're doing is just wallowing in the same old shit. You're just in a little cycle that makes you feel good. Absolutely, absolutely. In addition to that, I mean that's me to a T. And in addition to that, I think like me creating problems in my life or being unkind to myself, I think is maybe a defense mechanism at times out of fear to like avoid life doing bad things to me. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, if I make, if I create the negative, the negativity, then life won't do that. Right. And that's, that's, that's a, the, that's me saying to myself, well, I don't deserve to be happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to beat life to the punch. Life won't yeah. make me miserable. I'll make me miserable. Fuck you, life. Yeah, exactly. I'll ru- Well, to keep life from killing me, uh, I'll just ruin all of my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. You showed yeah. life. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Life's got a big thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Totally. So, I mean, I think that that's and but I also have learned if you're worth a damn, you struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested in any saintly type. No, that is uh, like yeah. you know putting out this perfect adjusted thing. You know, it's cliche, but they wind up being the most screwed up people. A lot Absolutely, of the time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sometimes well, not. Sometimes they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but no, most of the time, especially especially out here. Like usually, the person that's crowing the most about how. <laughs> Put, well put together they are is like that's the lady protesting too much which i think is that, another another reggae lyric 
Um, That's the great thing about our community, too, and like coming up in our community, and then who it led me to have taste for of having friend relationships with. No, very few people that we are, know on a day to day basis have any tolerance towards that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatsoever. So uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's good. It's 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 humbling, but it's also, I, I think it's like a, it's striving for authenticity, at least in our own little group. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brett, thank you so much for taking the time, Andy. and uh, yeah. And good luck, you know, with everything. Thank you, man. And uh, you too. And I hope you to too. see you around soon. You know, if I ever leave I hope the house, so too. yeah. No, let's let's please let's let's hang. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. No, it really, it really means a lot. You having me on, really. It's, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to do it. It was it was a great conversation. Thank uh, you, man. Yeah. And and thank all of you out there for listening um, to this this episode of the Three Questions. I will be back next week. I mean, maybe Brett will come along next week too, but I, you know, Why not? probably probably not. I, you probably got stuff to do, but uh, I mean, it depends what time and where. I'll be back. I'll be back <laughs> as soon as you want me. I love right. to. All right, three more questions. <laughs> yeah, All right, exactly. I'll be back next week. Thanks a lot. Got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus, Miss Pat is back. I'm excited! <laughs> and it's time for some grown-ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET+. Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus.